Welcome in to the Barnes on Bama podcast. I'm your host, Owen Barnes, and I've got a good one in store for you. Going to be breaking down the 25-point win over Texas A&M, as well as looking forward to the match against Florida that's going to be happening on Wednesday. There will be two episodes coming out this week, so stay tuned for this one to break down the A&M and Florida games. And then we'll do a post-cap of the Florida game, as well as look forward to the Saturday's game in Rupp Arena against Kentucky. So if you're interested in that, Stay involved in the channel, like, subscribe, um, and just stay in touch because that one will be coming out next. But as I mentioned, going to break down the A&M game. So we're going to start with that where Alabama had a 25-point win this Saturday. It was retro night. I'm wearing the jersey um, that Alabama supported for that game. They brought back the block logo, which you know I talked about in that episode. The jerseys looked great. The crowd was awesome You know, for it being an 11 o'clock game. I thought that the game went about exactly as I expected, quite frankly. There were a couple of things that I thought played out exactly how I thought, and then there were a couple of things that happened how I expected. I just thought that would be a, they would be a bigger factor in the game. So I want to quickly go through the game, um, go over some high points, some low points of that game, and some things to look forward to, and then we'll break down the Florida game, as well as some news that we did hear coming out in the middle of that game. So for the A&M game... Alabama wins by 25 points. I mentioned in the pregame thread, and it was something that was mentioned in the um, in the interviews that Buzz Williams did prior to the game, that he was really concerned if his team tried to get out and run with Alabama. He specifically said, if we try to get out and run with Alabama, they're going to beat us, and they're going to beat us bad, because that's not how I built my team to play. And that's exactly what happened. Alabama got out and ran with the ball. Um, every time that AM missed a shot and we were able to get the rebound, wasn't a lot, but we were able to get some. You know, anytime we were able to get the ball or create some steals, which Alabama did a decent job of, they were able to get out in transition. They did a really, really good job keeping the ball moving, keeping the pace up. Um, they were able to get to 74 possessions, which was much more than I originally had anticipated for that game. I definitely thought the possession number was going to be a little lower than that as why my prediction was what it was. But they were able to get up to 74 possessions, and overall just Alabama kept the offense moving and kept the game going at their pace and really dictated the game, and it went as well as you could have hoped. Alabama got off 41 threes. You'll remember me mentioning that I was expecting somewhere between 35 and 40, so it was right on line with kind of what I was what I was picturing. The one thing that, in my mind, I thought that Alabama was going to have to clean up and couldn't get dominated to the level that they did and still have success was offensive rebounds. A&M dominated the boards. <laughs> they had 26 offensive rebounds and ended up winning the rebounding battle by 11. I think it was 49 to 38. To me, that was something that I did not expect Alabama to be able to have a lot of success if A&M was able to dominate us on the boards because I thought that if A&M was able to clean up on the glass at that level, that they were going to create open and easy shots for themselves. You know, I mentioned that they're not a good three-point shooting team, and that played out in this game. Them shooting four of 23, you know, they were not a good three-point shooting team. However, I thought that if they put enough shots up and got the, got the um, board off the glass, that they were going to have a lot of success. And... It kind of happened. However, Alabama did a really, really good job of keeping the defense set and not getting into too much of a scramble drill. 
the part that really hurts you when you get into the offensive rebounds, and it's how Alabama has success against other teams, is when you get the offensive rebound and the def, you know, some guys may have been running back in transition, or you know, if they're not crashing the glass, sometimes you're in a full scramble of trying to get your defense set and it leads to an open shot. Alabama didn't give up too many open shots in this game. Quite frankly, the 75 points that AM scored was due to some really good shot making by Tyrese Radford and some okay shots by Wade Taylor. You know, AM can make tough shots, but the efficiency numbers really played out in this game. AM was super inefficient um, from three and from two, and, you know, they dominated the glass. So all the numbers that you could kind of look at on paper coming into the game was exactly how the game happened. The big difference, like I said, is I just didn't expect Alabama to be able to lose the rebounding battle at the level that they did, but still be able to have success in the game as a whole. I was really concerned for what happened in that Georgia game. Now, granted, the Georgia game was on the road, but Alabama was still able to keep the defense set, which they weren't able to do at the same level against Georgia. They definitely benefited from A&M being a worse shooting team, um, but Alabama did a really good job and, quite frankly, kept the pace up and went on to score their eighth 100-point game. So that 100-point game brings me to something that I want to talk about, and I saw some stats that I thought were just super important that I wanted to mention. So it was the eighth 100-point game by the Crimson Tide. They had a couple of games also in the 98-99 range, but it's the eighth time they've hit the century mark. There's only been one team in the SEC to eclipse that point higher, and it was the 95-96 Kentucky team. They did it nine times. Alabama has a few games coming up, including the game we're going to mention here shortly against Florida, against some of the faster-paced teams in the conference, where the possession number is going to be nearing 80 or at least high 70s. With the efficiency that Alabama plays with and the skill that they have on offense, it's not out of the question that they're going to eclipse that 100-point mark. I would circle this Florida game coming up, I would circle that in-game against Arkansas. If the Kentucky game turns into a shootout, I think that that's a game where Alabama could potentially get over 100. You know, there's quite a few games that I think coming up that Alabama definitely has the ability to have the pace be at a level that 100 points isn't out of the question. And if so, you're nearing very near historic numbers of, of scoring by the Alabama Crimson Tide for an SEC team. The other stat that I want to mention, and I have it here pulled up, is Alabama, from an offensive perspective per Ken Palm, is ranked as first overall, and their current efficiency number sits at 127.3 at time of recording. That 127.3 is over two points better than the next best team, which is Purdue currently. That two points, if you added that to the defense, so if you just said Alabama had the best offensive rating but only .1 better than Purdue instead of the level that they are, would be good for near about to top 40 defense. So that's his versus Alabama currently ranks as a 73rd defense. So it's worth about 35 spots roughly in Ken Palm's ranking on the defensive side. The other piece that's really, really big about that number is there's only been three teams since 1999 to finish over the 127.3 mark um, that Alabama currently sits at. Those three th 
teams were Duke in 1999. They finished at 127.2. Wisconsin in 2015 finished at a 129. And Villanova in 2018 finished at a 127.8. If you remember that Wisconsin team in 2015 that finished with the 129, that was the team that beat undefeated Kentucky in the Final Four to make the national title game. They eventually lost to Duke, but they beat the 38-0 Kentucky team that had Carl Anthony Towns that was just an elite team. That was their only loss of the year, put them out in the Final Four. And then the Villanova team in 2018 won it all. That was the team that Nate Oates, or sorry, that um, that Avery Johnson coached, that Alabama ends up losing against Villanova in their title run. So all three of those teams that finished higher than Alabama currently is in offensive efficiency um, made the national title game. Now it's worth mentioning all three of those teams were significantly better defensively than Alabama currently is. Um, Duke was third, Wisconsin was 35th, and Nova was 11th. So that is something to keep in mind that Alabama's defense is not at a level um, currently, you know, over the course of the season that I think that they're going to project out at that. However, something that we have seen is Alabama's defense has gotten better. And it's something, you know, like I just talked about with the A&M game. I thought that Alabama not being in scramble drills and being able to sit down and defend for that game, you know, was huge. It was the reason why Alabama was able to, you know, to get out to the 25-point win. And at one point early in the second half, Alabama looked like they were, you know, going to give the, you know, they were – had a few turnovers and had a few, you know, empty possessions. And all of a sudden you look up and A&M had only won that four-minute stretch by one point. You know, Alabama was not playing super well, but their defense was keeping them in the game, you know. Then the offense picks back up and Alabama jumps from an 11-point lead back up to 20 and, you know, it's, it's out of reach all of a sudden. So that's something really to keep in mind. The other thing I will mention, you know, before I move on to the Florida game, and then I have one thing to mention that happened during the game, was Latrell Reitzel. In my pregame thread that I wrote on Twitter as well as on Substack, I mentioned Latrell Reitzel as my player to watch. I was a little worried because in the first half, Latrell had two fouls, didn't play too often, and zero points. However, he completely turned it on in the second half, finishes with 16, you know, shows the shooting that he has showcased all year and looked like the guy that I was expecting coming into the game. Um, Reitzel is as good of a shooter as we've seen um, Alabama have recently. I saw a stat on Twitter that had Latrell as the number one um, transfer shooter coming um, of the entire transfer portal class this past year. Um, he also, somebody that Nate Oates has gotten onto a few times for passing up open shots because he was like, if I shot it as well as Latrell, I would never pass up an open shot. And it's somebody that Nate Oates clearly wants to get the ball in his hands to get him as many shots as possible. And you can see the success that Alabama has. Um, they're now 8-0 and when he scores over 10 points. He is one of the X factors for this team. Him and Rylan Griffin, I think, are as much of X factors for this team as we have. They're two of the better perimeter defenders. They're two of the guys that can really knock down shots from deep. They have the ability to pass, um, dribble, and shoot. You know, those two guys are as big a keys to these t this team as anybody on the team. Mark Sears gets his points and is going to continue to get them, but I think Latrell 
and Ryland are guys that are really going to help you when it comes to March because veteran guard play, as everybody talks about, is what wins in March. And the fact that Alabama now, you know, Alabama has four guards that are veterans that know what it takes to win, I think that's huge. The last thing that I want to mention is something that happened during the game, wasn't at the game, but we got our bracket reveal. So I'm going to pop up the bracket reveal here on the screen. Um, the bracket came out by CBS, and it is kind of an early snapshot look at where the seed lines are today and you know where each team stands in terms of the top 16. Alabama came in as the top three seed. Um, they currently, um, if the bracket were to be set today, would be in the south region with Houston, Illinois, Marquette, and then Alabama. They, in terms of SEC in that bracket, Alabama is a three seed. Auburn currently ranks as a four. I will say this is prior to Auburn's loss to Kentucky, so that may change something a little bit. And then Tennessee sits at a two seed. Um, so, you know, the big thing is Alabama sits at the top three seed. So for anybody that was super concerned when Alabama was sitting at six and five early in the conference or early in the year and had some losses, you know, Alabama has shown that scheduling tough prepares your team for later on in the year. I think that if you were to ask Nate, you know, he has been outspoken that he wanted to win some of those games. You know, you don't just schedule the hard teams just to give yourself some losses. However, those losses help the team grow at the level that they've grown to today, and it's the reason why you're 10-2 and in conference. It's the reason why you're in sole possession of first place. And if you can take care of business down the stretch, you're going to be outright SEC champs. So I think that, you know, the bracket kind of just shows what level this team is at. It's just a testament to what Nate Oates has done. He replaces all but three players on the team, all three assistant coaches, and, you know, has put himself in a position to be a two or three seed coming here in March, you know, has the full full SEC slate ahead of him to be able to win the conference. There's a few big key games coming up here down the stretch um, that we'll talk about. And then, you know, quite frankly, Alabama, if they can finish somewhere in the 15 and three, they can finish at 15 and three. I think they win the conference outright. If they can finish at 14 and four at worst, you're going to get a share of the conference. And so I think you're in a position that, you know, we, that some fans weren't expecting earlier on in the year. You know, even optimistically coming into this season, you know, after the non-conference slate, I was thinking somewhere in 13 at 5. Um, that's kind of what my projection was in terms of an optimistic approach. Alabama has a very, very good opportunity to eclipse that point. So, you know, just props to Nate Oates and staff for doing what he's doing, um, you know, to get the team where they've got them today. So the thing I want to talk about now is the Florida game. That Florida game is coming up on Wednesday. Um, Florida is a great offensive team. So we're going to go through kind of what to watch for that Florida game, how I think the game is going to play out. I'm going to save the prediction for the pregame thread. So if you're interested, on either check it out on Substack or on Twitter. Pregame thread will probably be dropping around the same time as the podcast. Um, i got to work on figuring out the exact numbers of what I want to put for the prediction. I will say I'm thinking it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game, probably in the um, 
you know, 9581 type range. If I was to give a rough estimate, um, I do think Alabama does come out on top, but I need to crunch some numbers and figure out where I want to where I want to fall for that prediction. So in terms of this Florida game, there's a few things that I wrote down here that I want to want to kind of mention about the Florida game. So Florida currently is second in the country in offensive rebounding behind A&M. So that's something to keep in mind for how Alabama got dominated on the glass in that A&M game. It's a place that Florida has the ability to take over on the glass at the same level that A&M did. And it's a place where I think that Alabama still needs to be successful. Florida is a substantially better shooting team than A&M is. I'm not going to call Florida an elite shooting team. But whereas A&M was sitting at 28, 28% from three-point range, Florida is sitting more in the 33.5, you know, closer to 34% range. So you're talking about roughly six points better on the three-point shooting range, substantially better on effective field goal shooting. You know, Florida is just overall a much better offensive team than A&M is. A&M was sitting in the 40 per Ken Palm, and Florida is sitting at ninth per Ken Palm in offense. So this isn't a team where you can rely solely on hoping that they miss shots. And I don't think Alabama was relying on A&M to miss shots. You know, I think we were causing a lot of those missed shots with good defense and making them take tough shots. But I do think that if you give Florida the same amount of opportunities and if you give up 26 offensive rebounds to Florida like you did against A&M, it is not a recipe for success. So that's something to definitely watch in this game. I think that having the A&M game first definitely will help prepare Alabama for the Florida game because it shows what Alabama was deficient in in that A&M game and allows you to get ready for this Florida game a little more. You know, I also talked about that with the the off week, having these teams back-to-back, I thought was also big because it gives Alabama two teams that play somewhat similar styles. Again, Florida being much faster, Florida being a much better offensive team, but their rebounding styles I thought was big to have back-to-back. And so hopefully that plays out and we see what that looks like. The other thing that I want to talk about and the place that I think that A&M and Florida are very different is A&M, you know, and I talked about, A&M does not run you off the three-point line. It's the reason why I thought A&M was probably going to allow Alabama to put up somewhere between 35 and 40 three-point shots. They end up getting up 41, so it's right on line with what I was thinking. The same stat that I looked at to say that we were going to get off those shots against A&M was the same reason I thought we were going to get the shots off against LSU. That same stat, from Florida's perspective, Florida does a much better job running you off the line. However, the part where Florida has substantially less success is their two-point defense is awful. It's currently last in the conference. Um, Their two-point defense currently sits at 53. They're giving up 53% um, field goal shooting on on defense from two-point land. So I think this is a game where you're going to see Alabama, you know, attacking the basket a little more than, um, I don't want to say settling for the three-point shot, but I do think that Florida's closeouts are going to open up the lane, driving lanes, and this is going to be a game where drives to the basket are a little bit, you know, 
prioritized. So I think this is a game where Mark Sears and Aaron Estrada are going to have some success. You know, Estrada having his tough finishes around the rim on off angles. I think this is going to be a perfect game for him because of the speed that Florida plays with. You know, Estrada plays pretty quick as well as, you know, being able to create passes and just the way that Estrada's game, I think this fits his game perfectly. So I think that that's a big one. The other thing that I will say that's going to be a key to this game is in the big wins that Florida had. Now, I will say some of those were on the road. Or, sorry, were at home. Like, Florida had a big win over Auburn just over a week ago at home. But those wins often have been coming when Florida creates a lot of turnovers. Now, they're, by and large, not a good turnover team. They're actually 14th in the conference at creating turnovers. Um during the conference slate. However, the wins they've had, you know, the bigger wins they've had, they have been able to create some turnovers. And I think that this is something that Alabama just needs to keep an eye on. Um, they've done a pretty good job here recently, not giving over the ball and giving up easy possessions. But it is something that had plagued this team earlier in the year. So I just want to mention it that, you know, I think playing at home definitely helps in that standpoint, although we are going to have to go to Florida later on in the year. So this is something just to kind of watch out for both Florida games this year. Florida has not been a super great team at causing turnovers. However, when they do get a lot of turnovers, they have had a ton of success. I think that is in large part to the speed they play with on offense. Um, you know, similar to Alabama, when Alabama can create turnovers and get running in transition, it kind of sets up the offense and gets us moving at the rate that we want to be moving at. And I think it's similar to Florida, right? You know, when they can get turnovers, it allows you to get out in transition and get out ahead of the defense being set. And it allows you to have just a lot of success moving forward. So those are the, in my opinion, kind of some of the keys for this game. I think that Alabama is going to have a lot of driving lanes. I think that two-point field goals are going to be a little bit more important in this game than three-point shot. You know, I would expect Alabama to probably, you know, it wouldn't shock me if we didn't cross the 33 mark. It wouldn't shock me if we did because I know Alabama has been shooting at a really high clip. So Nate wants that number to get as high as possible. But it wouldn't shock me if this, the number for this game sat, you know, 25 um, you know, definitely lower than some of our past games just because of how Florida closes out from the three-point line. But I think with that being said, I think that that's going to open up a lot of driving lanes for Alabama to have a lot of success in the paint. You know, Alabama does a really good job of, you know, their offense being free throws, layups, and three-point shots. And I think this is going to be a good game to kind of show exactly the Alabama style of offense. Everybody often looks at Alabama as somebody that has to shoot. You know, we should put up 41 threes against, um, against A&M, and people will often point to that and be like, well, what if you just miss those shots? Well, one, Alabama is an elite shooting team, so it's really uncommon that you're going to shoot 41 shots with the level of shooters that they have, and you're going to just miss them all. But the other thing is that Alabama doesn't just have to shoot the three to be successful. You know, they're really successful at at the rim and layups. And I think this is going to be a game where you're, that's going to be on full display. So, you know, in terms of what to watch, I think the, the big battles to watch are going to be the rebound battle. Um, if Alabama can keep it close or, you know, potentially just, you know, keep Florida off the glass from both offensive and defensive. Florida does a really good job on the glass, and that's got to be a key focus area for this game. Um, you know, limiting the turnovers, like I said, Florida is not an elite team at causing turnovers, 
But, you know, the games that they have had some success, they were able to cause a decent number of turnovers. And then finally, just finishing around the rim. So, you know, that's kind of going to be it for the episode today. This is a little bit shorter one. Um, I will break down. There will be another episode coming out on Friday that's going to be breaking down the what happened in the Florida game as well as looking for, forward to the Kentucky game that's going to be happening in Rupp Arena on Saturday. This is a big one for the conference. Alabama had about as good as a Saturday as you could have asked for with having South Carolina lose as well as Auburn lose. Um, Kentucky, um, you know, takes down Auburn at home. So Alabama currently has a full game lead on the conference. You know, I think that if Alabama can split the Kentucky and Florida games on the road and then win out at home, they definitely win the conference. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I think if you lose two games (laughs) – you're at least going to have a share of the conference. But if you can somehow only lose one the rest of the way and finish at 15-3, and I think you do win the conference outright, and that would be huge. You know, three conference titles in four years under Nate Oates, just absolutely incredible. So that's something just to kind of keep an eye on. I think this Florida game is big. You know, Florida only has four losses in conference, so this is going to be a big one for us to kind of hold serve. you got to defend your home court, Alabama currently. You know, 27 and 1 at home the last two years. So, you know, if they can keep it up from home, I think they have a really, really good chance. But if Alabama, you know, can do what they're doing and then, like I said, win, if you win out, you clearly win the conference. You're the only team with two losses. But even, you know, if you don't win out, I think one, one loss is still probably wins the conference outright. Two losses, you're at least going to get a share. And like I said, that's just places that Alabama has not been over the last the last while. But these last four years, Nadoats has put the team and the school in a position to to be in in a chance to win it. So, you know, that's all I'm going to talk about today. Like I said, if you're interested in the Alabama basketball content, please subscribe to the channel. You know, stay involved. Um, I put out articles pre and post game on Substack. These um, Podcast episodes also will come out on Substack, on YouTube. I actually posted the last episode on Twitter. I probably will continue to do that as well. If anybody's interested in me covering anything specific, feel free to comment. Um, Shoot me a message. Shoot me a DM on any platform. I'm happy to answer. Happy to talk Alabama basketball. Um, Happy to meet anybody if y'all come to the games. Um, So if you are interested in any information or staying involved in what I have going on, please subscribe to the channel. Um, stay involved on Substack, stay involved on Twitter, and thank you everyone for watching. I will catch you in the next episode. Peace.